welcome to the Harvest Australia podcast. We trust you'll be blessed by this message from Senior Pastor Marty Manuel. Well, hope you're um, hope you're feeling well. I just want to pray for a couple of people. Ask ask Ryan to come out as well, and um, he's going to share if God gives him something as well. But um, don't you love the prophetic ministry? You know, in fact, Ryan and I were talking about this before. The prophetic ministry is is one that that often just um, stretches things a little bit out of the norm, out of the comfort, and then and then we all sort of move with that if God's on it and he's in it apostolically there's an apostolic family that surrounds the prophetic and gives it strength and reinforcement and wisdom and and then we advance together you know and um and I think that this is something we continually see and learn from just to to be stretched but um I just felt as we were worshiping just for a couple of people um Kieran your parents are here right yeah you guys could I pray for you guys is that okay yeah? Could you come out? I mean, you're used to this, so I know it's not strange for you, but um, I want to ask you a fencing question after as well, but that's totally off the, off the record, right? Um, <laughs> here's what I, I felt for you guys just as I was worshipping, actually, um, and Kieran actually told me that you guys were going to be here. Um, and so, anyway, maybe I'll pray just to... to settle the ground. But Lord, we just pray a blessing upon them, a special blessing upon them today. Lord, that you would surprise them with your goodness, surprise them with your love for them. The fact that you see them, you hear the cry, you know the heartbeat, you know the challenges. Lord, you've already gone before them. You've plowed the ground already. And Lord, I, I thank you for them. I thank you for the leadership gift on them. And um, okay, Scott, um, I'm not there at getting names for everyone yet, right? So, but uh, Scott, here's here's what I felt that you do have a real leadership gift on you. That and as your kids have grown up, they've been like pillars, and they're growing like pillars. But they're they're going to be uh, pillars in their own right. But you guys don't get left behind. Actually, what you've poured into them is an inheritance for you. And there's an, a leadership inheritance that you're going to be coming into this year and, and this coming season. Sometimes you've been hesitant and you've actually held back because you, you don't want to rock the boat or do anything. But there's a mantle on you of leadership. Um, and it's, it's clear. It's wise. It's not necessarily one that pushes itself forward. But the body of Christ needs you. The body of Christ needs you. Um, and uh, that it's, 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 it's one that you're not to hesitate from in, in this coming season because it's the hand of the Lord. And sometimes it's gentle, sometimes it's strong, but it's Him. He's on you. And so those, those years of frustration all merge into, into now a, year, a season of strength where your pillars are growing up, your pillars are strong, and you've sown things into them. Both of you have sown things into them, seeds of righteousness, and you're going to inherit righteousness. But both of you, he sees your hearts. He knows He knows those frustration. I sense there's been even ministry frustration for quite a number of years, ministry frustration, not knowing where to plant your peg, where does that go. Uh, but I, I can sort of see, and, you know, being a fencing contractor, I can sort of prophetically I think that he wants to he wants to enlarge your territory he wants to jabez you he wants to enlarge your territory and so the fence posts need to be put further and further out and he's going to send you maybe even with relatives there's some a specific anointing for you with relatives bringing lost relatives into Jesus and there's and there's a freshness and it's not going to be too hard uh, but there's an ease coming to you in this season it won't be such hard rocky ground sometimes to do this he's going to go ahead of you and he's already planned this and so lord today we pray upon these guys we thank you for the seeds of righteousness that they've planted in their children and lord we thank you for the blessing that they are to border town and to that region and lord we pray today that you would so fill them 
So fill them with your fresh anointing, the fresh touch of heaven. Lord, that they would go with strength. They would have that fresh love of your presence and your power and your word. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Just stretch your hands out to these guys. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you that you see them, you hear them, you know them, and that your plans for them are good. And so, Lord, we bless them today. We bless them today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, with a fresh touch, a fresh touch, Holy Spirit. A fresh touch, Holy Spirit. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. I just hear him saying again that particularly for you, that there's some things that you think um, are already too far gone, but he's saying to you, they're not too far gone. They are not too far gone. They are well within reach with his anointing. They're well within reach with what he's called you to do and with the heart that he's given you, that mother's heart, that mother's heart, tending to things and praying on things. And, and it's like this, this um, years and years of just being stored up are going to begin to be poured out. So, Lord, refresh them. Refresh them. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, bless you guys. <laughs> You're great parents. We see the fruit of that, right? Yeah. Excellent. It's good. Thank you, Jesus. So good to um, experience the prophetic ministry, the Holy Spirit just moving over. And uh, I just really sense uh, just there's a corporate anointing right now just to close your eyes. So just close your eyes and, and see yourself how Jesus sees you. And uh, just look in the Spirit through the eyes of Jesus and just let the Holy Spirit illuminate you and just let, let yourself um, experience how He sees you. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to invite the uh, uni students, anyone who's a uni student right now. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, why don't you come forward? That's good. <laughs> Just stand in a line. Yeah, that's good. Let's extend our hands out to them. I, I really believe the Lord's uh, saying to these guys today that they are like Gideons, that, that the Lord is saying to them, mighty men and women of valor. There's a word over them today of, of, of valor, of strength, of, um, of courage, of um, bravery, of, of power. Um, there, there's a word over them today of that. And uh, the Lord is raising you guys up to be like Gideons and to go in, to go in and uh, to carry torches, to show the enemy your fire. And I declare today that you guys are going to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. For you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So lift up your hands right now. I declare power evangelism right now. Yeah, just invite some people to get behind them. Power evangelism, moving in the, the gift of the power of the proclamation of the gospel, unashamedly pronouncing the gospel, confounding the wisdom of the of the wise and, and, and declaring Jesus Christ, Him crucified with such a tongue of fire upon your heads that it burns up everything of ideology and uh, that is wrong and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God comes down as you hold up that flame of the fire of Jesus, the fire of the gospel. And this is the time to burn in Him. This is the time to be lit up in Him, to be the light of the world. Jesus says to you today, as the Father sent me, so I send you. As John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but one comes after me that is mightier, more valiant, more powerful. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power. So fire in Jesus' name, fire, fire. Fire in the name of Jesus. Receive that fire. Fire in the name of Jesus. Fire. Receive it. Receive it. Want this fire so much. Fire in the name of Jesus. Receive. 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 Fire in the name of Jesus. Passion. Passion for, for, 
passion for Jesus and compassion for the lost. Fire, fire in the name of Jesus. Fire in the name of Jesus. Receive the fire of Jesus right now. Thank you, Lord. I just want you guys to wait on Him a bit longer. Just start to seek Him for your campuses. Just start to seek Him for your friends, for those in the lectures, in the seminars. And they're going to see Jesus inside of you burning with love for them. Yeah. Yeah. um, I think Ian and Tandy, you're here. I want to do something I've never done before. So if you guys will come. I know that that's a weird thing to say before you even get here, but... um, This is actually for um, Marilyn, okay? Um, Now, I know she's been a little ill lately, right? Um, So what I felt, I've got some oil. I want to anoint you guys with oil. And then I want you this week to go and I'm sure you'll spend time with her anyway. Anoint her with oil with a fresh level of faith for healing. All right? So can we all just stretch our hands out uh, to these guys and just give me a minute. I'm sorry, Louise, it's not Young Living. It's a competitor, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah, so, Lord, we just bless these guys with a fresh healing gift, a fresh healing gift that, Lord, there may be an impartation today for fresh faith for them, not just for a one-time experience, but a, a, a gift that falls on them like a mantle from heaven, Lord. Lord, that you would anoint them with a gift of healing. Lord, the first first fruits maybe Marilyn, Lord, in a fresh new way, you may release an anointing. And by faith, I do this today. And by faith, they receive this today. And by the currency of heaven is faith. And so, Lord, we just release that even right now upon Marilyn's body in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so we just anoint them in the name of Jesus with fresh fire, healing fire, healing fire, healing fire in Jesus' mighty name. More, Lord. More. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fresh healing anointing to fill them with a faith that is not natural, that will believe for more, that will see more, that will understand more. Lord, a boldness, a boldness, a boldness to believe in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're on them. Increase, increase. Yeah, double it right now, Holy Spirit. Double it. Double portion, anointing, healing, anointing, healing, anointing, healing, anointing in Jesus' name. That the sick shall recover in the name of Jesus. The sick shall recover in Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for fresh fire. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless you guys. We look forward to hearing, right? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's not 10 past 12, is it? (laughs) It's 10 past 11, right? Who appreciated the extra hour this morning? Wasn't that awesome? I mean, we were all up and and raring to go. Like, it's really good. We could have that every single week, actually. You guys can just stay if you want or whatever. Just just go with it. well, I want to share for a little bit. Um, yeah, you guys can, you guys, guy can sit down. Thanks, Jared. Awesome, awesome. I um, got a little bit of my fashion taste from Jared. He's He's been so classy for such a long time. I thought I'd class it up a little bit. So next week I'll do shorts and boots, I think. <laughs> I read something this morning. Uh, by Banning Liebscher, who's the head of Jesus Culture Ministries, and he says this, God is trying to grow you exactly where you are. And I read that and I thought, my goodness, isn't it interesting that so often we think we have to be somewhere else doing something else or, or receiving from someone else when God is trying to grow us right where we are. And there's that internal frustration inside of us uh, regularly, I've had this frustration all my life where, where we just think, ah, oh, if only I had what they had, or if only I had that breakthrough, or if only I could do that thing, or if only I could be in that location or have that opportunity that everyone else seems to get. 
Then the anointing would fall. Then I'd be in the call of God. Then everyone would see what's on me. And, and this is often a, a, a cry of our hearts, and it's a good cry. It's a healthy cry. It's because we want to be used by Jesus. We, we, we know we don't just want to be on earth and, and float around. We actually have this internal frustration which drives us to more. It drives us to Him. But an internal frustration for Jesus, I have seen over my life, needs to be well apostolically um, Bread in a family culture, in a family atmosphere, good soil, good people, good leadership. And even those times when we want to plant, rip ourselves out and do something else, this is when this quote becomes to the, to the fore. God is trying to grow you exactly where you are because if we can stay where we are in that place of frustration and get bigger than the frustration and grow through the frustration at last... We stop the cycle of negativity and of, of, of offense, and we stop this cycle that continually happens throughout our lives of, de, of destabilizing that call and even that hand of God on our lives, that that frustration has a purpose. The annoying season has a purpose. And I know that doesn't sound like a joyous sermon this morning, but here's, here's what I called it, destiny blockers. Now, that's actually an upgrade compared with what I had titled this morning. It, I called it Destiny Killers. So I want to give you four destiny blockers because I think that's a more safe title to go with. But does that sound okay this morning? Good. Let me pray just so I get on the right track. And um, Lord, we just thank you that you're here this morning. We thank you for your voice that you've spoken, that you've been with us already. We pray increase Holy Spirit right now. We pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would use me to say what you want to say and nothing else. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, release a new level of faith to believe for more, a new level of faith to see more, to understand more, to receive more. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I want to start by reading um, Deuteronomy chapter 533. Funny place to start, but you'll, you'll, you'll get where I'm going. And it says, Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. And my first point of destiny blocking is disobedience. Now, it's really easy to preach a sermon like this if I'm going to project everything onto you. And so I won't do that this morning. Um, but if God is speaking to you, then he'll do that. I won't need to do that. And so I find in sermons like this, it's, it's very easy for me to put myself right in the box seat and say, these are my destiny blockers. These are my destiny killers, and you might find they're yours as well. I'm going to give you all four just so if you want to write them down. My four destiny killers are disobedience, the first one. The second one is timing. The third one is misinterpretation. And the fourth one is offense. These four things for me summarize four things that continually cycle through our um, minds and our, our, our thinking, our souls, if you like. And they continually barrage us to try to reduce us from our destiny. And uh, a lot is said about destiny. But what I'm talking about is the fulfillment of the promises or the fullness of God's kingdom being released in and through our lives. And so we'll start with disobedience. Um, Moses and David learnt this the hard way. Great men of God that we still revere today and we still learn a lot from their, their writings and their lives and their stories. But these two men had an even greater promise that God promised them that they did not see here on earth. Often we think that uh, God is so gracious and loving, and of course He is, that he will always fulfill every one of his promises as long as sooner or later we repent or sooner or later, maybe in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, we do something about it to fix ourselves or fix the situation. But we see in these two men, Moses did not see the promised land. He spent all his life fulfilling this promise and leading the people. And I still, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord, wasn't that a little bit harsh? Just a little bit harsh. Seriously, this guy gave up everything. He could have been a prince. 
And I'm sure he could have even been a good prince and tried to sneak a little bit of God in there as well. And he could have done it in comfort and in heaven. And wouldn't that be nice? And this is often what we choose. We, we try and have enough of the comfort and enough of heaven so that we can have a little bit. And we're, in our prayer time, we can say, Lord, I'm giving you everything, you know, in that, in that atmosphere of comfort. And, but Moses didn't do that. He gave up everything, went with the Israelites, led them through, spent years and years of frustration and tiresome. But he still did not see the promise. He did not see it. Why? Because of disobedience. And it's, it's exactly the same with David. His lineage, God blessed his lineage because of the promise, but the fullness of the promise did not get realized because of David's sin. And so here we have a template for the fact that God loves us. He wants the best for us. He wants to give us everything that he's called us to and promised us. But there's a, there's a catch, obedience. Our obedience to the call. Our obedience to what does he have for me. Our obedience to the voice of the Lord speaking to us. Maybe through his word. Maybe in our prayer time. And whatever he's putting on our hearts. And, and um, most of you will know that feeling. Um, I haven't had it for about 30 years. I think that feeling when you know you're not quite obeying the voice of the spirit. I was jesting. You know, I probably had it three days ago. But... Um, but when um, you really believe that it's been 30 years since I did. That's phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. We can go now. All right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when you've heard the voice of the Lord, maybe that very gentle whisper about don't do this or don't go there or don't say those words, and yet you do anyway and you sell out. And it's annoying because for a day or two, it stays with you. And it's like, man, I, when am I going to learn to just shut my mouth? When am I going to learn to not go that track again? And so he always gives us an opportunity to learn. But every time we do that, we take up time, we take up energy, we take up resources. And if we do that for the rest of our lives and don't then finally become obedient in these things, we never get dominion over these things. So these things have dominion over us. And then we forfeit the fullness of the call. We may be still used by God. We may be still have an effectiveness. Of course, we can evangelize. We can do these things. Julia, you are not wearing the clothes you put on Facebook this morning. I'm disappointed. <laughs> See, you have to be on Facebook to get some of this stuff. But anyway, I know that was shockingly random, but... It's, it's okay. Ryan started it, I think. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to timing. Timing. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, is very quick, but it's a very powerful verse. It says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Isn't that a great verse? You might want to write it down. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. This, this is a big one for me because, I mean, I, I, I think I finally, after two years, actually got out the story of Karen and my sleeve list that we've had for years, probably 10 plus years of, of maybe 15, I think. It's probably more like, let's just make it most of our married life. That's not nearly 19 years. Um, but uh, where we've had these desires of God, but it hasn't been the right time. We've seen things. I mean, we wanted to start soup kitchens and outreaches and all these different things. We took on foster kids and, you know, we just compile them and it was never enough. We always, okay, we could be doing this, we could do this and do that. And, and finally, we got, it up, got up enough wisdom after some years of doing this of realizing, hang on, maybe we're not meant to do all this. Maybe uh, all of this is not for us to do right now. Maybe we are to see our life as a marathon and see the seasons and the times of the Lord and try and flow with what His Spirit is saying for us now, not what He's saying you're going to be doing in 20 years' time. And this is often the frustration with the prophetic because the prophetic sounds very clear and sharp at the time. And, and yet the key, and this is something, you know, we got years and years and years ago taught about the prophetic. And uh, I'll move on to that next, actually, before I, before I go off timing. But there's seasons. And here's, here's the thing that I find with timing is that it's very, very easy to operate out of disappointment. 
very easy to operate out of disappointment. So if, we make dis- if, if it doesn't happen when we wanted it to happen, the call of God, the release, the anointing, the promotion at work or whatever it may be in our lives, it's very easy to then take on disappointment. And disappointment is, as we know, two words squeezed into one, disappointment. It doesn't mean wrong appointment. It means disappointment. So it means that the appointment is still right. It's still there. But we got the timing wrong, so it now becomes a disappointment. And so the appointment was right. God maybe had a word for us, had a call, had a place for us to be, or whatever the the, the situation might be. The appointment was right, but the timing was wrong, and therefore it becomes a disappointment. Does that make sense? I am... George is getting braces at, uh, soon, and we've been doing many, many um, appointments at the orthodontist. And um, I think we've probably done four or five or something uh, every week for, for a couple of months. And anyway, it's interesting when you go to the appointment, they make you wait. And sometimes they make you wait a long time. And we've gone the last couple of times, it's literally been. Maybe, I mean, sometimes it's been more than a half an hour wait. I'm sitting there, my battery's dead, so I can't play on my phone. And we're just sitting there and running around, and you sort of look at everyone. And there's only a small room, so you can only look so many times without having a conversation. And it's all weird, isn't it? This is the frustration of appointments and timing. When we're in the waiting room, we're in the gestation period. It's the most frustrating time. Guess what? Then we've been in most of the appointments, they take two minutes. It's like, come in, plug you up a couple of teeth. Wow, I waited for half an hour for a two-minute thing. And this is what often happens with God's timing. We wait a long time in the gestation of the prophetic waiting period. And then all of a sudden, bang, something happens and there's a breakthrough. And so this is what we have to realize that God enjoys making us wait. (laughs) I have no scripture to back that up, but I have my whole life to back it up. And I'm sure you do as well. It's the waiting room. The waiting room. James Gold talks about it. The waiting room. The waiting room. And it's, it's a really, really testing time. But it's one of the best times of our life because it'll either make us or break us. It'll either release that destiny or we'll forfeit it again and we go back to where we started from. And you do not collect $200 every time. That's the annoying part about it. He made everything beautiful in its time. When the Lord's timing is on something, it's, it's phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. And we've seen this even in the last month or two in our lives, a couple of things he's been doing for us, and we'll share about that in the next few months. But there's, there's been some real seasonal timing that we've waited like five years, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, just bang, things get released. And um, I, I say this regularly, um, but so often for, for us, we haven't seen the prosperity of God in our faces uh, in the sense of we haven't got the checks in the mail. We haven't got the, the breakthrough of that phone call where someone just says, okay, I'm now going to release this to you. It's normally for us, it's been the backdoor blessings. It's been those blessings that just slowly chase you down and then you look behind and you go, wow, that's right. He's done that for us. It's finally come about. And so that's where testimony is powerful. But number three is misinterpretation. This is a real destiny killer or blocker, if you want a more sanitized version. (laughs) Misinterpretation. I've got two areas that I know for me how I have to be careful with when it comes to interpretation or misinterpretation. The first one is of God's leading. If I hear the voice of God and then I misinterpret what that means, as in I try and put a square peg in a round hole, the square peg he gave me, but if I try and squeeze it into a round hole, it is not going to fit. And all it'll do is cause more frustration, more friction, more annoyance. It'll, I'll, I'll spend days and days and days, maybe years and years and years, trying to get the, the voice of God, which actually did come to me, into the wrong slot, misinterpretation. It's when we might hear from God, but we get the interpretation wrong. And the same goes with misinterpretation of people. We can easily, easily block our destiny and reduce our destiny and and be held in 
hemmed in by our own misinterpretation of other people. And this is one that I know for me in business when at 20, 25, 26, we took on the business and then I would meet with business leaders and we, we had to meet with government regularly and, you know, big, powerful people and they wore better suits than I did and they looked better and they had grey hair and they, they had those deep business voices, you know, really intimidating. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget some of those meetings with some of, you know, some of Adelaide's really, really uh, high-class business guys and I remember being at a, at a table with all of these guys and they were assessing me to see whether I was worthy of getting a government grant. And I remember sitting there, I felt about that big at the best of times. I mean, really big. And I was skinnier back then. Um, but, um, you know, it felt really small. And all these guys were actually talking about me and whether I was worthy of getting this government grant. And I remember sitting there going, this is the most weird meeting you can ever possibly have. I'm in the room, guys. You know, but all these things actually went round the table and assessment panel. They went round the, the table and all of these leaders basically said why they do or don't think I was adequate enough to receive these funds to uh, get our business grant to increase our business. And I remember some of the things that they said were actually right, but then I took it through my filter and I harboured a grudge. I remember one lady, I think they... I think they still own the business in Lonsdale, actually, but quite a successful business. And at the time, you know, I looked and thought, wow, I mean, those guys have got a really uh, amazing business and, you know, I respected them. And, and she's, she made the comment of, oh, you're very, very young and I don't know whether actually you've got what it takes and, you know, your team is, lacks experience and all that sort of stuff. Now, I have two choices when someone says that about me, okay? And we're talking a $6 million grant, okay? It's not a little amount of money. And so we, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, uh, I can take this two ways. I can get very easily offended by what you've just said. And I could probably spend the rest of my life getting offended at what she said. But the fact is, she was right. I was very young and it was a lot of risk and I might have failed. And our whole team didn't have a lot of experience. So what I did, if instead of getting offended, and I can remember explicitly because they had a business and still do quite close to ours, literally within uh, half a kilometre radius, um, I had to drive past their factory many times. And so I knew then and there I have a choice. I can be offended and have a snarl every time I drive past that factory. Um, and that sort of runs in the manual blood, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. <laughs> but I'm blessing them this afternoon, okay? So, so I'll make up for it. But, um, but it's, it's one of those old Aussie ochre things, you know? You, you get them back if you can. And... But anyway, I knew that that would not do me well. It would not do me well because I'd spend, I'd spend a good five or ten minutes each and every day driving to and from my old factory and I'd see this factory and I'd be snarling and I'd be offended and out of me misinterpreting what she was trying to say because actually it was truth what she was saying but maybe there was a better delivery method. Maybe I should have been out of the room or something like that but I didn't. I actually went away and I thought, She's actually right. I am very young. I am very lean. I don't actually have the experience that I have just told them I have. No, I'm just kidding. But I don't have the experience to perhaps take on what, what I really have the vision for. And so I actually thought to myself, well, I was, if I was her, I'd probably say the same thing. So instead of misinterpreting it and taking on an offense and bitterness and judgment and hurt and being demoted pretty much every time I see them and see their factory or any business gathering, I would avoid them in the room and all this. Instead of that, I actually had a clear heart toward her. And believe me, I don't do this all the time. But in this occasion, that's why I tell you the good stories, right? <laughs> but... I, I can remember explicitly taking on a good heart posture toward them and we got the funding straight away and I've been able to bless their business ever since because I didn't take it in the wrong interpretation because actually it was truth and I didn't take on offence and baggage. And so it's, it's really important that we understand this, that to grow, we've got to grow past ourselves. We've got to grow past ourselves 
because he who is in us is bigger than us. And if we're always limiting our situations and our responses to how we feel and what we think, then we're limiting heaven to us. Heaven is always limited to six foot or five foot ten or whatever we are. You know, heaven is always, but actually he in us is far greater, far bigger. And so when we take on a response, that's the kingdom response, we expand our capacity to take on more. And that's, that's what I certainly saw. We were blessed even from that lady. And after that, now business grew to be five to ten times the size of her business. And I believe part of that is the heart posture of blessing them and releasing blessing. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5 says this, Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. This, this is so important that we in us, we have a lot of revelation and thing that God deposits in us. But it takes time and it takes the counsel of others and it takes really, really good fathers and mothers and the body working together to draw out that gifting. If we try and do it on our own, it's very hard. Near impossible, I say. I know that's good English, isn't it? I think I heard that in a movie recently. Anyway, I think I need to keep rolling, otherwise I'll get completely off track. Here's something that, that bugged me at school, and it may have bugged you. I, I, I think uh, Kieran's learning to be a maths teacher, so remember this one, Kieran. But I still remember Mr. Moran, who taught me, and he's still at Co uh, Southern Vales now. And I remember taking, I don't know whether it was year 10, 11. I did veggie maths, so, you know, nothing special. But <laughs> um, I don't know, do they still call it that? But uh, Jenny's not here, so she can't tell me off. Brian, don't let... <laughs> Um, but I remember doing pi r squared. Anyone remember learning pi r squared, what pi is, and, you know, trying to work out dimensions of circles and radiuses and cylinders and shapes and things like that? I could never get that when I was at school. I remember sitting there thinking, why on earth are we learning letters and numbers and putting them together? Surely it's just numbers, you know, one plus one. Why, why did we introduce letters? into this thing. So I could never get letters and I could never really understand. I remember all of us getting together and saying, when are we ever going to need Pythagoras? When are we ever going to need to know Pi? What, how, what relevance does that have to my life of these numbers and letters up on the chalkboard it was back then? And, and it just did not fit in this grid. Well, let me, let me give you the irony of Jesus right? Some of you are working it out, right? We then go and build a pipe empire where the main formula that I had to calculate 50 times a day was pi r squared to work out the mass of every pipe. The wall thickness of every fiberglass pipe, the volume of the pipe, of the water going through, the flow rates of water going through. So here I am having no clue that all those years of annoyance and frustration and mumbling and grumbling in that waiting room of not having a clue of what the interpretation is going to come out like later down my life. And this is what we do. When we do not understand, don't talk. It's the, it's the greatest thing we can do. If we don't know what's going on, I mean, you think about it, the people now that are in heaven that whinged and moaned and criticized and absolutely mocked Azusa Street outpouring. They're in heaven right now. And they're, they're face to face with Jesus. And I wonder what he would say to them, if only you waited, if only you held your mouth and didn't criticize when you finally got here, you would see it's just like this up here. The presence of God, healing, the power of God. We've got to be so careful when we're quick to shoot our mouths at whatever, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a move of God. It can just be how God's using someone else. So many people have criticized Joel Osteen and said, oh, he doesn't preach the gospel, he doesn't do this, and he, you know, he's been cornered, and oh, he doesn't believe this and believe that. And now he's got the biggest church in America, one of the most influential churches in the world. And we hear story after story, and I heard an even great one this very week, which I won't release, but of the testimonies of people that are getting saved by hearing this 20-minute, slick, perfectly 
mapped out sermon. See, God might even use that. It's amazing, isn't it? He'll use anything. And here we are saying, no, it can only happen in a river circle. It can only happen in this way or an evangelical circle. It can only happen the way we're used to it. Well, unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, normally God moves very different every time round. He uses different vessels, different methods, different songs, different color lighting, different whatever it might be. It's always different. He's always advancing, isn't he? And so we've got to stay fresh and agile and willing to flex. And this is something that I always tell people about our church, that we can release what God's doing. And we know that we have a people that have moved through so much and come through so much. We have flexible joints, even though you may not feel like it this morning. We have flexible spiritual joints. And I'm telling you, as pastors, it's a blessing because not every pastor has that. So bless you for that. Here's, here's the, the key, and I, I'm going to finish with a, a last point in a second. But under misinterpretation, I remember a great prophetic teacher came and taught us years and years and years ago. And you might want to write this down because it's helped me out of some really, really odd dream interpretation encounter. You know, when you have a dream and you literally think you're going to walk in the office or uni or work or whatever, and you're sort of looking for it to happen. And it never happens. <laughs> you know, you think this dramatic person's going to come and cast a spell over you or something big and nasty. And, 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 you, and you look at it, you think, well, that never actually happened. It never really happened. Well, here's why. Three keys. The first one is revelation. Maybe you had a dream. Maybe it was revealing something and there's revelation. Second thing is interpretation. Then there's something that needs to draw it out. Something that needs to draw it out. Proverbs 20 verse 5, the second part says, but a man of understanding will draw it out. This is the interpretation phase of we might have a dream or we might get an inkling or we might get a sense or whatever it might be. We need a period of drawing it out. That's the interpretation phase. Then the third one, which is the great one, is the application. In school, you get a lot of... I'm sorry, Hugh, I've just seen you there. Okay, you can just block your ears, but... I'll come and give a testimony to the year 11s or something, maybe. I'm sitting, listening to Pi R Squared, not understanding it. Someone's giving the revelation. I had no clue to join the dots on the application. If we can join the dots on the application of what the revelation is, we can finally draw it out and see fulfillment. And so many of us have to go through, just like me, this process of obedience, of getting the timing, of then making sure the interpretation's right. But then after we've gone through revelation interpretation, we then apply we then bring the application. Because so often, here's the thing, uh, I think I've given this before, but there's a lot said about dreams. And there's nothing wrong with dream interpretation. It's a brilliant thing and people are gifted with it and it's a blessing. But nine times out of ten, the dream is for you. Nine times out of, the ten, nine times out of ten, the dream is you. The issue you saw in someone else is you. It's not them. We have, have this dream where someone is trying to do something nasty to it. It's probably how we feel about them, not actually them. Here's an example of, of um, a great example. I think it's in the last couple of weeks. Someone from here came up to me and it warmed my heart. Do you want to hear what warmed my heart? Yeah, well, that's enough people. I'll give it to you anyway. Um, someone came up to me and said, they, for all these years in their life, all these years, they've had maybe this issue with a, a certain type of person or certain people or maybe some judgments or bitterness in that different direction. And in this last season, in this last season, God's really highlighted something and something very specific. It wasn't them. It was me. And this and, and literally, I stood there, and obviously you didn't get the revelation that I got out of that. But, but for me, I took that and I went, you see it. You see it. See, we so often think it's everyone else's problem. It's that leader. It's that person. They did this to me. They rejected me. It's that offense. And we take on offense after offense after offense after offense until we have so many fences around us, we can't get out of our own castle. Because we're the most offended, hurt people because we've taken offense at everyone. But if only we'll take a look on the inside of us 
and take responsibility for our own heart, our own situation. The fences come down. Finally, we can take counsel and get it all drawn out. And the revelation becomes interpretation and finally becomes application. And in that application, like in my example, in, in year 10, 11, I, the revelation, I dissed it completely. Oh, that's ridiculous. I judged poor old Paul Moran. I'm going to have to apologize to him this week. This has just come to light right now. But anyway, I bless him, Jesus. Prosper him. Double for his trouble. But... But I think about it now and I think my main business was using pi r squared. You never know what the application is going to be. You never know what the application is going to be. So the last thing is offense. Offense. Do not take offense. Just don't take offense. Don't take offense at those things, even those rejections, those hurts, those words, those times when no one's seen you or you've been cast out or whatever it might be because at that time you have a choice. Am I going to totally misinterpret this thing or use it as a waiting room experience for heaven to be released for the application to come forth? Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It's to our glory to overlook an offense. When someone offends us, you want to get glory? Overlook it. Overlook it. Overlook it. If we want the presence of God, get past our own offense. And I I often do this in my quiet time with the Lord. And I say, Lord, if there's any offense, if I've taken on any bitterness from any direction with anyone right now, I give it to you. And if I can think of it, I'll give it to him. And I put down the offense and I make sure that that chain doesn't surround me for any longer than a day or two. If it, if it goes longer than a day or two, then it begins to turn into bitterness and watch out if that happens. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 19 says, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Offense normally leads, leads to quarreling. Whether it's quarreling with others or quarreling with our own spirit, they're both just as bad because they're both destiny blockers. They will kill destiny. They will kill promotion. They will kill relationships. And, and this, this uh, taking on offense is more unyielding than a strong city. Now, back in Bible times, obviously, a strong city was one that had walls all the way around it, fortress, guards, all. I mean, if you picture this for a moment, this is, a, this is a, the, probably the biggest thing that the psalmist could think of to give us an example of. It's the biggest and worst example of how withheld we can be in our own fortress, in our own castle, is if we take on offense. It's, it's a big one. And so how do we get through that? Well, I'll, I'll finish with this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Family fosters inheritance and ultimately destiny. Family. It's the kingdom family. This gathering together, and even though we can annoy each other and offend each other, when we learn to connect, as 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, many members of one body, but Christ is the body. He is us. So us gathering this morning is a picture of Jesus Christ. And when we connect and we relate and we get over offenses with one another, we get upgrades. And the family anointing is the strongest anointing there is. I'm reading Genesis right now, and I'm going through it, and I'm reading about Noah, and it just hit me again. God is in the business of family. He wipe, starts with Adam and Eve and family. He wipes out sin, and then he brings back mankind. Why? Through family. And then we see throughout history he uses the tribes, and beginning with family through the Israelites. He's, he's consistently bringing us back to kingdom family because there's something about it that he loves, and it's called his body. It's his own body. It's the body of Christ. And when we unite, And when we rub shoulders and we relate and we love one another, there's an anointing that's released. And that anointing releases inheritance. It releases destiny. 
because you can be my strength. I can be your strength. We can see things in each other. We can help one another. We can lift one another up. We can worship together en masse like this, and we release heaven to a new realm in this area. And we can see that that family anointing is the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're a family. And so if we want the greatest anointing, we're probably on a winning ticket if we start with family. We start with family, kingdom family. And that's why Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the whole church, the household of God. Who lives in a house? A family. A family. Yeah, that's true to put up your hand. That's actually true. Good answer. 10 out of 10. A family lives in a house. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. He wants us to be a holy temple. He wants you and me to be a holy temple. That when others see us, when they come into our meetings or our gatherings, that they will know there's something on these people that I want. And it's the testimony of Jesus, isn't it? Let's stand. I want to pray. Just put out your hands and, Lord, we pray today that you would release a greater awareness of what it's like to to live in your kingdom family, Lord, to, to have your revelation and then your interpretation and then your application. Lord, we lay down our offenses today. We've just taken communion this morning. But, Lord, we ask that if we have offenses toward other people, doesn't matter who they are, what they've done for us, we lay them down today. We do business with you. And we give you those offenses, those words, those judgments. And we realize that we are the one who needs to take responsibility. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's not anyone else. It's me. And so, Lord, today, I give you those things. I ask you to come. And wash me in your blood. Wash me in your forgiveness. Wash all away, all bitterness, all judgments, all hurt, all offenses. Lord, and release a fresh understanding of what it is to be connected, to, to live in the family anointing, to release inheritance, to have correct drawing out of all that stuff that you've given us, Lord. And I pray that you'd give us a strength to run together, a strength to run together, a fresh anointing to run together. Lord, I pray that you would bless even us today, bless us today with a fresh anointing to see beyond ourselves and to release your goodness and your love and your grace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, give a couple of people a hug. We'll just put on a CD. If you're a visitor, we'd love to give you a free coffee. Please come on Wednesday night to Outpouring Night. We want as many people here on Wednesday night as possible. It's going to be an awesome night of prayer and praying into the youth awakening. Thanks for joining us on the Harvest Australia podcast. For more information and events in the life of Harvest Australia Church, please visit harvestaustralia.org.